0: All right, I'm going to creep you out, okay? Just buckle up. As a pastor, whenever we have one of those bumper videos, I like to do something while you're watching the screen. I like to watch you. (laughs) And I just kind of look at each one of your faces, and I'm just, honestly, I'm just so grateful for each one of you. Um, For those of you that I don't recognize your face, I'm stoked you're here. For those of you I recognize your face and know a little bit of your story, I'm grateful that you're alongside us as well. Um, And I just try to spend a little bit of time praying for you. I have no clue what kind of a week you've just had. I don't. Um, But I'm praying that um, if God has anything that's true, in what I'm about to say, that it resonates and that it impacts you on a level um, that's more than just this service, okay? So let's go ahead and go forward with that. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to the Book of Romans, Chapter 1. Um, if you have the NBC app, uh, the Bible is on there. If you don't own a Bible or you'd like a Bible, we have Bibles that we'd love to give you for free. They're in the back. You can just snag them. Uh, pretend like you're walking out and shoplifting them, and we won't say a thing. It's totally okay. And we have notes in the back as well, and also on the NBC app. We're in a series called Better Together where we're talking about the fact that Jesus, he says that I am the vine and you are the branches. And as a church, one of the things that we recognize is we have to answer the question every single weekend individually, why in the world do I even go to church? Like, what's the point? When I can get such great stuff outside of the church, and church people are hard to deal with, and, and sometimes it's difficult to navigate life together, the re, our answer was that God is a great God, and our great God is worthy of praise and worship, and when we gather, we do that. And because of the fact that God has crafted us for community, he's created us for community with one another. And when we, when we say our mission statement each week, the beginning of it, for each part of it is talking about an authentic relationship with someone, God, other Christians, and the world around us. And, and the, starting, the starting one really speaks into why we gather. Because we can authentically connect with God individually, but the community step is one that we choose to take together. And the community step in our discipleship is to ha- come together and be called in to this weekly gathering, where each week we have an opportunity to be exposed to God's Word. We have an opportunity to, to re- respond to Him in singing. We have an opportunity to give to Him. We have an opportunity to uh, observe baptism and communion. And as cool as it is to, to do something, and, I, and if you're live streaming right now, I want to just welcome you here, and we're so excited that you're connecting with us from afar, but there's certain things that you just can't do from a distance, right? It's tough to have have relationships at a distance um, and one of the things that we have an opportunity to do as God's people who gather is experience and express these things like baptism and communion together even just showing up and standing and worshiping God in song you're sitting in seats next to people and in rows in front of them behind people you may not have chosen if you were picking a team but these people are here and we have the opportunity to in the diversity of this room express glory and praise to God, but that God didn't simply call you in to sit in one of these gray chairs. He called you to look at the empty gray chair next to you or in front of you and say, is there anyone in my world that is disconnected from this experience, this encounter to, to have an authentic response as a gathering of God's people? Either because, you know what, they're, they're a believer, but they have a real difficult time because they were burned by the church and they swore they would never go to another church after what happened. And you could be that person that says everything that you are worried about as far as Christian people at church is true, but we serve a great God who's created us for community. Or you may know someone who hasn't been exposed to the gospel, and you could be the one, that, that agent of being ambassador of the good news that you've, that you've adopted because God's adopted you, and you could express that to them. So we're not merely called in, we're called out. To, to express something, to ask the question, who in my world isn't experiencing this? Connection with God as a gathering of God's people. But before we ca- are called out, before we even are actually showing up and being called into this place, something happens every week, Monday through Saturday in our lives. Actually, Monday through Sunday. And that is what? What is this word? Every, everyone, if you could just raise your hand. Everyone, everyone, yep. All of you who raise your hand, you're all worshipers, everyone. And you might be saying, oh, no, no, no. I know you talked about worship last week, but I am not a singer, and I choose to boycott anything that is audible coming out of my mouth that has a melody. You're still a worshiper. And you might say, well, hold on a second. I'm not even a believer. I'm here because I'm a hostage of somebody. Someone has dragged me here, and I'm going to get a free lunch out of it. That's the only reason... The only way we could have a Super Bowl party at our house was if I came here, and, and that's you. And you might say, I'm totally, I'm not even a, wor- and I, I'm just gonna tell you, you are a worshiper. Whether you worship God or Buddha or yourself, if you're an atheist or, or, a, or a Lutheran, you're a worshiper. Every single being is created to worship. Something or someone and all of us worship every single moment of every single day. Pastor Carlos has an awesome phrase that I totally thought he stole from someone, but it ends up it's his. And this is his phrase. Don't go to church to worship. Bring your worship to church. Don't go to church. as like that's your, your, uh, that is the high point of your worship experience. Like the only time I worship is at church. I'm I'm saving up my worship because I don't want to spend it and waste it. I'm going to save it up for Saturday or Sunday. If you do that, that type of rhythm, number one, you're not created for it. Number two, it's setting you up for disappointment because you're going to get here, try to worship God. It's going to be so foreign because it's been a whole week since the last time you tried. And then you're going to go home and, and everything's going to be just the craziness of life. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Don't just go to church to worship. Come to worship running off of the momentum of a week where that wasn't merely a service you showed up to, but a lifestyle you lived. Today, we're going to be looking at two passages um, in the book of Romans that Paul wrote that deal with this, both what is worship and how do I do that? How do I, bring, how do I view worship in a way that I can bring it to church? So first off, if you could just take a look and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter one. And if you're not there yet or you're still getting it on your app, um, let me just say that Romans is an amazing book. If, if you aren't reading the Bible or you, you're looking for a book to start reading, I challenge you to read Romans. Romans is, is, a, is written by Paul. And Paul, in the book of Romans in chapter 1, he gives the longest intro of any of his other books because he doesn't know these people. I don't know if you've ever like, like tried to connect with someone that you don't know, but you really had something important to say to them. That's Romans. Paul's like, I, I want to get to you. I totally want to see you. I don't know if it's going to happen because I got a real bad habit of landing myself in prison. But if I get out of prison, if I'm able to do it, if I've got the resources, I'm going to actually see you face to face. But if I don't, If I don't have that opportunity, I want to tell you everything that I can tell you about what you need to know about Jesus, and that is the book of Romans. This is why many of you, when you became a Christian, somebody quoted you a verse that Paul wrote in this book, written to a group of people he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to see, but he wanted them to know everything they needed to know about Jesus. It's an amazing book. It's challenging. It's challenging. It kicks you in the teeth, and then it gives you a big hug. It's, it's like one of these books that just is phenomenal, a book that helps us understand the theology of God in, a, in an accessible way. It's so cool. And so he goes and he talks to them about who he is and, and that he wants to see them. And then he gets into the, verse 16, and he's telling them how amazing. He says, I'm not even ashamed of the good news that, that God rescued someone like me. And, and this is the good news for the Jews. And then now to the Gentiles, this is something that is important for us all to grapple with And then he gets into verse 18, which is the tough language. He kind of turns a corner and he says this, the wrath of God, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, pause. What he's saying here is this, if you look throughout history, God is a good father who sees poison out there poisoning his kids and he has entered acted with humanity in wrath against this thing that is killing his kids. God's wrath against sin is more powerful and more strong than you or I could possibly imagine. One commentator um, noted that God's wrath is more than just like God lashing out. It's God's intervention. He's stopping the flow of this poison in such a way that it'll cease. It'll stop. It'll stop the, the damage that it could potentially do on its own. So God, whenever we see God's wrath, we're seeing God's response to sin, but also God's intervention. This is God's intervention episode with humanity. Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God's made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, there's not a single person who could look out and at humanity, who could look at the, their own biology and think that this was totally coincidental unless you really convinced yourself of such. That, that every time we look, we, we are constantly seeing in nature the reality of God. And Paul's not saying that's enough to make someone have all the information necessary to turn their life over to Jesus and surrender themselves to him. But he's saying God has dropped breadcrumbs through everyone's life, through every single day, just in even looking at the people that you're related to, walking outside. Breadcrumbs that are intended to point people like an arrow back to him. So they're without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. This is the key. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. It's interesting that that word for fool is a word that describes like um, something that's being drained. It's like it's emptying. It's like you, you were in credit for this fullness, but you're just like you're, you're, and you're, you're losing all the things that make you you and instead you're being more vain and being fo- more focused on yourself and what you desire rather than on this God. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, um, has, have you, maybe you've said it or someone you know have said this. It, it, initially, it would really bug me when people would say this, but I'm starting to warm to the idea of this expression. Have you ever said or heard someone say, this person, they're just, they're just, they're just being so ignorant at me? Like, they're all ignorant about me, I and mean, I just don't know why she's being so ignorant at me. Has anyone ever heard that or said that? Yes? No? Has anyone never heard that? I have no clue. Okay, yes. That bugs me, because when someone says they're ignorant, they're ignorant, like, ignorant means I don't have any information, but you're using it like a verb. This person's being all ignorant at me. They're being all ignorant at me. But you know what? It's genius. It makes so much sense, and it makes so much sense in this passage, because what Paul is saying is, and what a person who's saying that is, what they're trying to convey, is this person has all the information to treat me right, and they're not. They know that I'm not like this, they know that I'm not, I don't do that, and yet they're being all ignorant at me. They have all the information, and yet they choose to chuck the information and treat me ignorantly, as if they didn't have the information. And Paul's saying, that's what we have done. That's what people who've never turned their life over to God, they've got the information. And they choose to operate differently, in conflict with the information. They're being ignorant, they're being foolish. They're emptying themselves of who they are and what they were called to be. Paul notes that proper worship, and this is the greatest thing, because after that chapter, you see how humanity just downward spirals, okay? We just basically, God just hands us over to everything that we want because ultimately we're gonna do it anyway, and and we're just running away from God. But it starts with the fact that we're not doing these two things in, in verse 19, honoring God for who he is and thanking God for what he's done. That's my, I mean, it's not a a flashy definition of worship, but whenever I read Romans 1, that's what I'm seeing. What is worship? What is true worship? True worship is honoring God for who he is and thanking God for what he's done. Whenever you sing a worship song, what I believe makes that song a worship song is that in some way, shape, or form, that song is honoring God for who he is and his attributes and his glory and thanking him for what he's done. It's identifying the fact that, that God is not merely just God and all-powerful and glory. He is all-powerful and glory, but he's something else as well. Every one of us have known someone in our world who is amazing. They're above our pay grade. They're way more popular than we are. Do you guys remember junior high and high school? Like, remember like the most popular kid that was like inaccessible? Maybe you were that kid. I don't know. That wasn't me. And me, it was. I'm like walking. And then all of a sudden, here's like this popular kid. It's like, hey, how's it going? Never mind. Talk to you later. (laughs) He doesn't even give me any time of day. Why? Because this is me and this is him. When we worship, we're recognizing this is God. And this is us. God is all glory and all power and all sovereignty. And yet... He made contact with us. He intervened with us. He rescued us. Honoring God for who he is and thanking him for what he has done in intersecting our life. When we don't do this, basically what we're doing is we deem something or someone as being ult, of ultimate value, something worthy of sacrifice whether it's a job or a relationship, and we'll put everything in, all of our chips in. We'll take these good things that God's given us and we'll make them big. And another way of saying it is this. I do this all the time and so do you. Taking good thing, a good thing and making it an ultimate thing, which is always a bad thing. Worship or idolatry, of uh, worship of anything other than God is taking a good thing, making it an ultimate thing, which is always what? A bad thing. Because this is what, what I do with worship all the time. Basically, this is it. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is Monday through Saturday, oftentimes. Self worship. Why is it tough to get into worship on the weekend? Why does it feel like you're dragging your rear end out of bed sometimes? Because I've been conditioning myself all throughout the week to worship one person, one God, and that God is me. And what we do is we we do this when we take good things and make them ultimate things, which is always a bad thing. What we do is we we oftentimes um, say, well, I've got this relationship. Relationships are good. The Bible's got lots of relationships in it whether it's a girlfriend or boyfriend or or a marriage, you know, a husband or wife, these are good. I mean, this person makes me feel good. That can't be bad. But when we take that good thing, we make it an ultimate thing, the thing at which we're willing to sacrifice everything for, whether it's our, our standards or our faith or our friends, whatever. When we take a good thing, we make it an ultimate thing. It's always a bad thing. Your job, your job is a good thing. But people have sacrificed their families for their job. People, like, their, their rise and fall, their, their, their self-worth sometimes comes from their employment. All of us do that, okay? We take a good thing, we make it an ultimate thing, and that's a bad thing. That's worship. For you, it might be your grades or your status in school, how much you own compared to someone else, which your possessions and your grades, these things are good things. They're, they're not intrinsically bad. But when we take good things, we make them ultimate things. It's always a bad thing. And when things are going well, when we, when we put the worship on us, when things are going well, we feel like everything is right. And sometimes, when everything's going right, sometimes we come in here, and we're just worshiping away, but we're not even thinking about the words, because we're just thinking about what's going on in our day, which is so awesome. Or we, we, we're, we come in here, and we're, we're just like, things are awful, and, and we're just thinking about all those things instead of what we're singing. This is like a typical week, okay, for some of us. We wake up in the morning, we turn on the news, and we are just devastated. Like, oh my God. I'm just so I oh I can't you know that we're we're freaking out and then we're trying to get kids into the car to take them to school and one kid's sick but we know they're not sick they're lying and we're like just get in the car you go people are going to think that we're true and we're like terrible parents and I maybe I am a terrible parent I am a terrible parent and we get the kids to school and we go off to work and we get to work and we're like man this job stinks and everyone else around here tells me that it stinks and their job stinks but I wish I had their job because I'd have more money because then I'd be happy and then you get the promotion. And when you get the promotion, you're like, yes, finally, I've got all this. And you buy a lot of stuff, but you realize all the stuff you bought didn't satisfy you either. And you feel garbagey. And you look at your relationship and it's rocky. And you're like, why did I choose this person? And they're thinking the same thing. And you're just like going, "Uh, what? And then all of a sudden you come here. You've, I don't know, you've got your kids into the kids program. Just getting the kids, you know, pried into the minivan was a work in and of itself. It was a modern day miracle. You get them into the kids' program, and you walk through these doors, and you look around at all these smiling people, and you're just like, what a bunch of fakes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the only one who's feeling like this, and then they start singing. Like, I don't feel like singing, but I got to because the pastor said I have to last week, and so you get to the first couple songs and you're just, whatever. And then the third song, all of a sudden your heart starts to thaw out. And you start to realize that this isn't right. That worshiping him for what he's done and who he is, that's what where worship is at. And that's just in time for the service to end, for you to go right back out and spend the rest of the week worshiping yourself. There's a reason why our faith is frustrating. And it's not God. It's this. What real worship is, when we actually, when we look at what worship is, and we ask the question, how do we actually turn this around? That's exactly what it is. It's, it's turning this from an arrow pointed at me to an arrow pointed in the opposite direction at the Lord, letting him receive our worship. And doing that through the very thing that Romans chapter 1 talked about, Honoring God for who he is and worshiping him for what he has done. If we're going to be the type of people that do that, that that's, that's exactly where it's at. So let's go ahead and take a look at Paul and, and what he talks about in Romans chapter 12 and how we should view this. Take a look, just jump on over a couple chapters later on in that very letter that he wrote those people. Remember, Paul in chapter 1 is talking about the wrath of God, right? God's wrath against sin. Listen to what he does in chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's massive anger with sin. But is that what he says? No, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's holiness. Now, what does he say? Mercy. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, because God is holy and he is great, he has the right to be wrathful, because he is merciful, he actually did this. We have the opportunity to come to him and say, this is not merely a subjugation. This is me submitting to you because I am in a relationship with you that you have established. But he talks about that through the lens of this being a living sacrifice or something that, that is a work in process. It's a progress. It's a training. Paul talks about that in other, in other situations where this is a training and it's something that is undergone through discipline. You are saved by grace. There's nothing that you could do to earn that. And once you're saved our sanctification, the set-apartness, is something that God allows us to tar- start taking steps to take the arrow off of ourself for self-worship and pointing it to him. And that is discipline. And some people for 2,000 years have developed different things that have been spiritual disciplines, uh, disciplines that have actually helped people get closer with God and who he is. And, and honestly, if if I even polled you what, what are some good spiritual disciplines, you'd have a long list. You could Google them, and they're, they're all over the place. There's tons of spiritual disciplines to help people connect with God. But I want to just talk to you about three of them. I want to talk to you about three disciplines that I believe inform and speak into everything else. Um, and the truth is, is that, that these disciplines are, are key and important. Um, how many of you will be watching the Super Bowl today? Okay, many of us. The people that are at the Super Bowl today are there because they not because they said, you know what, I just have a dream, and my mom told me I could be whatever I wanted to be. I wanna be a Super Bowl-playing football player. Ta-da! If I did that, I would be dead before the first minute was over, okay, right? These people are there, not just because they were paid gazillions of dollars, but because they went through everyday training and exercise. Some of you love exercise and you're sick, sick people. <laughs> this past week, I wanted to, to exercise, and I, I'm like, I'm gonna run today, it's gonna be awesome, I'm gonna get fit, and, I, and I, the, the alarm clock went off at like 5.30 or something, and I'm like, I look over at it, and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. God wants me to sleep. Because <laughs> he loves me. And then you wake up, and you feel like, a slob, and you're like, man, I can't stand myself. That wasn't God, that was me. When we have spiritual disciplines, we recognize that there are certain things that we do relationally, that we do because they're right and because they unlock who we truly are, not because we're feeling it in the moment. Tom Landry, the the Dallas football coach, said the job of a coach is to take men and have them do what they don't want to do in order for them to become who they've always wanted to be to make them do things they don't want to do, to make them be what they've always wanted to be. See, we have something better than that in Jesus. Jesus has unlocked in us the ability to connect with God, and he's given us everything that we need to do that. It's, the question is, why are we not? Why are we not letting this be something that we're daily investing in? So I want to talk with you about um, these, the, just three of them, that I believe inform the rest of our spiritual disciplines. These are things that if you actually take advantage of these on a daily basis this week, and if this doesn't work this week, you can, you can chuck it. Don't do it anymore. But if you, if you actually Monday through Friday this next week do these three things, these spiritual disciplines that I'm going to talk about that are right from Scripture. I believe that your next week, next week at 930, when you come in here, there's going to be a different experience, a different encounter with God because of the fact you're not coming in here off the fumes of self-worship, but you're coming here off the momentum of worshiping him. The first of these is scripture. Scripture is something that not, there's not one single spiritual discipline can stand on its own without this informing it. Why? Because scripture tells us who God is. How can we honor God for who he is if we don't know who he is? Not who your mom told, he, told you he was, not what, what some meme tells you he is, but who he tells you he is. Scripture is God's voice into our lives, and God cares about us so much that he actually gave us the Bible to do that. We can honor God for who he is. We can thank God for what he's done. This is the first step in that process where we actually say, I'm taking that arrow and I'm pointing it to him and not to me. We live in a time where we have more access to scripture than any other time in history. And we are so lazy. There are times where people couldn't get their hands on scripture because it was illegal. Like even owning one of these would, have, would have, could have could cost you your life. And so when people were meeting in church and they would be put in prison, what they would do is they would they would remember, they would remember passages that they had learned growing up or that they had memorized. And when the guards would give them cigarettes, they would, they would go ahead and empty out the tobacco and on the cigarette paper, they would write this, the verses that they could remember. And then they would roll it up like a joint and they would pass it to the next guy. And he would unroll it and he would read it. And he would roll it back up. And that's how they had scripture. And they, they were hungry for that. And today I've got more access. It's totally legal. And I let this sit. And so do a lot of you. See, here's the thing, if we want our world to be conditioned to be worshiping God and not ourselves, we have to start with scripture. And again, this is one of the one most wonderful times to be alive because we have access to so many ways to engage scripture on a daily basis that are free. If you don't have enough money for a Bible but you have a phone, you have access to God's word. If you don't, have, if you don't understand what you're reading, you have access to resources by scholars who can help you with that. Just a couple of them. Um, we put out a daily devotion that is on our app, and, and Ryan has a notification that goes out to let you know when that's updated or it's on NBC's Facebook page. That's a, a way that you can get in Scripture and pray on a daily basis. You, know, you show up to work 15 minutes early. You wake up 15 to 20 minutes before your normal like, alarm clock goes off, and you spend some time in the Word. That's one way. But you might read that and say, man, these devotions are lame. These people can't even write. Who wrote these? The church staff? Yes. So if you look at that and you're like, these are just totally, I need something better than this. Awesome. There's things out there. There's version. If you want to look at, version has plans where if you're like, I would love to read through the whole Bible, but I've never wanted to attempt it. But now you can. That's something that's out there for you where you can actually read through a plan and it'll, it'll send you notifications at whatever time you want it to send you. If you want to like have a study that's in a devotional, like on anger, you really struggle with anger you go ahead and type that in and they have a devotional that's set up that will take you through scripture and will give someone that will give commentary on it and give you some life application it's like phenomenal it's all real it's all it's all free if you're someone that wants to study a little bit deeper and you could have your computer or tablet or phone out as you're reading the bible and go through and just like put in like Romans 1 like what we just what we're studying today and just have something that's going along and giving you the context right to the right if you want to go deeper in study, and I do believe that there's a difference between just your daily devotions and really digging deep. Digging deep takes more time, but I, I mean honestly, even in your daily devotions, you could do something like jumping in on the Blue Letter Bible. And all these resources, by the way, are on the bottom of your notes, the physical notes and the um, app notes as well. But you can go through and look at all the Greek words that are in this passage, uh, take a look at the uh, were thankful. They 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 weren't thankful to God. That word right there is a word that we're gonna talk about in just a second. You know how I knew that word? Because of this app. This is an online, th- it's not an app, it's an online uh, site. And all that stuff is um, in your notes. And all of that is free. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. That means that if I wanna know what God is saying, it's here and it's useful for training and correcting and, and, and helping me walk in righteousness. That, this is all here. And so I can't worship God unless I know what he's saying. I can know what he's saying there. Um, those other, let me just jump back to that really quick. Um, the, if you've got kids, um, this is an amazing thing that, that my wife and I downloaded on our phones, which is the Bible app for kids. It actually goes through the Bible passages with kids and it's all animated. And the kids like, like collect stars and everything else as they're going along and learning things. It's quizzing them about what they're learning. And it was an activity that I could do with Ryland and Cohen before they went to bed. Um, Pastor Josh. He has um, reading plans that he gives parents that they could actually read through with their kids that vamps off of what they're learning during the week. And so even if you're like, like new to the whole idea of getting in the Bible for yourself, you can actually start getting in the Bible as you're getting in the Bible with your children. So definitely jump in on each one of those. Which actually steps into the, the next uh, discipline, which is prayer. Prayer is something that we oftentimes have even more access to than our, our tablets, our Bibles, or anything else. But this is also something that we just totally flake on because we, we don't really know how to pray or, or we're afraid that we don't sound as good as someone else. That like God only listens to King James prayers or, like, really good Hallmark card-sounding prayers. Or if You want to have an authentic relationship with God? Jesus is on your side if your prayers don't sound so fancy that other people will super-dig them. Jesus is on the side of authentic prayers that are to him, They're communicating everything that's going on in life. See, what prayer does is it actually acknowledges the fact that God is sovereign and he is in control. I could own all my stress in my own heart. I could keep myself up late at night, or I could actually pray about it to the only person who can do something, and I can thank him in my prayers because he's the one who can actually step in. Our church has got people that are struggling um, physically, financially. We need to be praying for them. I want to encourage you all to be praying for one person uh, in particular this week. Um, our dear friend and deacon uh, Jerry Chopin, he's, he's struggling big time with, with, with all the stuff that's going on in his life. The, the cancer has come back, and he's, and he's struggling right now. He's in the hospital, and he's in incredible pain. And short of a miracle, we just don't know what's going to happen. Does God want to hear about that? Yes. I want to encourage you to dedicate um, tomorrow, um, just as you're throughout your day, that you pray for him throughout the day. This is something where, again, we are not simply just getting stressed out about what's going on in our life. We are turning to someone who is worthy of all the issues and the only one who can do something about it. If you're someone who doesn't know when to fit prayer in, prayer can happen at any point. Not only can it happen at any point, I want to challenge you to do something very real on your way to school or on your way to work. Whether on the way there or on the way back, you just turn the radio off, turn the podcast off, and just on, on, either on the way to work or on the way back, just spend that time in audible prayer, talking to God about the day. And as long as, you know, you're not carpooling, this will not be awkward. It's going to be very, very just open and awesome. Where you're saying, God, I just, I'm talking to you about today because today I'm kind of stressed out. Something's going to happen at work today. Or something's going to happen at school today. God, I I don't know how to handle this thing in my family right now, and it's killing me. God, I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. God, I'm asking that you lift up Jerry. And you know what you're gonna find yourself doing? You're not gonna find yourself just making requests to God. You're gonna say, God, you are so good. The reason I'm going to is because you are all-powerful. God, you are so patient. And you'll spend your time in worship. And this will be another way that you'll find that self-worship arrow getting turned around to being worshiping the one true God. Jesus, when he was in the thick of of stress, when all the Pharisees are amping up their questioning and double-downing their their intensity on him, Jesus, who is God, found time to pray. So we should do the same. Uh, Tim Keller put it this way. I love this. Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has done for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. It keeps us bringing back to the reality of who we are in him. And actually, that, that brings us to our final discipline, which is doesn't even sound like a discipline that we practice, but it is gratitude. This is something that is not natural. It, it's something that, that is developed, and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to express this, but man, we oftentimes don't. How many of you, just by show of hand, would say, yeah, I complain a lot? Okay, 14 of you. Oh, okay, there's a little bit more. Okay, good. How, let's do that one more time. How many of you would say that you complain a lot? Okay, a lot of us. This, this is something that is an antidote to how miserable we can make our lives. If you're someone who doesn't find yourself complaining about a lot of stuff, I want to encourage you to go to Facebook. (laughs) You're going to have ample reasons to complain if you go there. One of the things that that I want to challenge you with is this. This is something, something that has to be practiced because Scripture is something that we do to hear God. We we engage that discipline, we practice that to hear God. Prayer is something we practice to speak to God. And gratitude is something we practice to see everything else through the lens. You have every reason in this world to complain about your relationship status, about your job, about life. There's tons to complain about. Your friends, how much you have, your finances, all of these things are things we complain about. Gratitude, Gratitude is the salmon going up the opposite end of the stream. Gratitude is us saying, I, in the midst of the fact that all those things are true about my relationship or anything else, gratitude is something that I'm going to make a willful decision not to let those good things become ultimate things in my life. I'm not going to let those things in my life become something where that arrow is just pointed back at me at all things that I've got to be upset about. But instead, I'm going to do what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in that we are to give thanks in every circumstance for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To give thanks in every circumstance. Not for every circumstance. You may be in a garbagey circumstance and you're not saying this terrible, awful, wicked thing, thank God for it. No. But in the midst of this terrible, awful, wicked thing, I will not let this define me. I'm not going to let this, I'm going to actually instead recognize that, that though this is true, I'm going to search for gratitude. I'm going to hunt for it. I'm going to hunt for it in my spouse. Like what, what if you actually looked at your spouse and tried to find something to be grateful for and you, you expressed that? Do you think that would change the day? What if when you went to work and everyone else is complaining, you actually found something because there's tons to work to complain about. You found something to be grateful for. And you did that because, again, this is worshiping God. God, every good gift comes from you, and I'm thanking you for it. There's lots to be upset about right now, and it's all broken, but I thank you for this. I thank you for this person. I thank you for this job. I thank you for this. You are the giver of these things, and I give thanks to you. If we go through our world and we do that, we actually have a chance to express each one of these disciplines, and these are practices I want to challenge you to invest 15 to 20 minutes starting out this week, but then to watch that increase this week, Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. If you do that, if you start letting God speak to you through his word, you start speaking to God in prayer and you start looking at your world and searching for gratitude, you will find the arrow of your life removing itself from being pointed at you and your self-worship and pointing at him. Will you do that? Will you do that? Okay, next week, let's come back here and see the difference in worship in a group of people that are coming with the momentum of a week filled with it, worshiping the one true God and not ourself. We're gonna end in worship and song, but let's go ahead and stand for prayer before we do that. Lord Jesus, I lift up to you and you alone the worship and the glory, God, that you deserve God, it is so easy for me to make so many other things in my life the epicenter of my stress, the epicenter of my joy. And you are an afterthought that I catch up with at some other point in the week. God, I'm asking that you help each one of us in this room repent of that. Repent of that lifestyle and ditch it. And instead, walk in a lifestyle that is full of worship of you, the one true God. That you'll help our life be defined in all the circumstances, good, bad, or indifferent. They'll all be defined by worship of you, honoring you for who you are, and thanking you for what you've done. And God, as we see that, we will give you the thanks and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,